Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say mRNO to mRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DAILYWIRE. In some amazing news for the cause of social justice, the famously oppressed millionaire football player Colin Kaepernick has inked another movie deal. Uh, Colin Kaepernick has just received a film deal with Disney and ESPN. This will include uh, an ability to get a first look on movies and TV shows uh, about anything, scripted, unscripted, including a documentary about his life. That's on top of the Netflix movie deal that he already has. And of course, those two things are on top of the multi-million dollar reportedly uh, endorsement deal that Colin Kaepernick has with Nike, all of this after the millions that he'd already made by 2016. Uh, a, a huge win. No one would have expected this on account of, of course, how oppressed Colin Kaepernick is. Colin Kaepernick, the greatest con man of his generation. But there are a lot of con men these days. We're in a whole nation of con men these days, and things are not what they seem. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Things are not what they seem. Kaylee McEnany pointed this out during a press briefing because over the weekend, at least half a dozen children were killed by violence on the streets of the United States. They weren't killed by cops. They weren't, they were killed because of the squalid conditions that they're living in and because of the violence that is being permitted to go on all over the streets. And the mainstream media are not talking about it. You couldn't say their names. There are many famous career criminals whose names you could say because of allegations of injustice against them. Some legitimate allegations, some illegitimate allegations. But you couldn't say the names of any of those children, I would bet you. And the reason for that is because of the grift here. There, there is no word that is more abused in today's day and age than grifter. Maybe science is another word that's abused almost as much. But grifter is this word. It's, it's come into popularity over the past few months, and people use it to impugn the motives of their political adversaries. Very often, the people who are calling other people grifters are the grifteriest people themselves. However, there is a specific use of the term grifter. Grifter means con man. It means a fraud. It means a swindler. And there are frauds and there are swindlers. And Colin Kaepernick is one example, but the whole mainstream media political establishment apparatus is another one. They're the reason that you don't know these kids' names. Kaylee McEnany called them out for it. Finally, I'd end with this. You know, I was asked probably 12 questions about the Confederate flag. Uh, this president's focused on action, and I'm a little dismayed that I didn't receive one question on the deaths 
that we got in this country this weekend. I didn't receive one question about New York City shootings doubling for the third straight week. And over the last seven days, shootings skyrocket by 142 percent. Not one question. I didn't receive one question about five children who were killed. And I'll leave you with this remark by a dad. It broke my heart. A dad of an eight-year-old lost in Atlanta this weekend. They say Black Lives Matters. You killed a child. She didn't do nothing to nobody was his quote. We need to be focused on securing our streets, making sure no lives are lost because all black lives matter. That of David Dorn and that of this eight-year-old girl. Thank you. Thank you. Mic drop walks off the set. This is what makes Kaylee McEnany so good at her job. Obviously, she's articulate. Obviously, she makes our hearts go pitter-patter. Obviously, she's very clever. But the key here is she sees through the lies. She sees through the whole story, the whole con, the whole fraud. She sees right through it, cuts to the heart of it. And she waits too. She knows how to, how to play a little stagecraft. So she gets to the end of this long press briefing. She says, okay, you've all asked me a lot of questions about Confederate flags. You've asked me questions about the symbol of a country that hasn't existed in 150 years that no one really cares about. And not one of you asked me about the outrageous violence, the shameful violence on our streets all weekend. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Goodbye. I'll see you later. Kaylee McEnany isn't the only person realizing this. She might be one of the few people within the political system that is acknowledging this. But people on the streets get it. You know, there was a, a guy who was in Atlanta. Atlanta was the hub of some of the worst violence over the weekend. And a bunch of Black Lives Matter supporters were holding hands and performing their, their political rituals about the importance of Black Lives Matter and the radical social movement and how we've got to overthrow the system and blah, blah, blah. And this guy was off to the side. The cameras were not on him. And he said, hey, wait a second. You people are all frauds. Take a listen. I don't know who committed this crime, but believe me, once we find out, this person will be brought to justice. Are you getting a sense of this, this was a white police officer gunning down three blacks and injuring four. Wilson High School will be set on fire and every black leader, every community leader will be up here. Black Lives Matter, hands up. Blacks are murdering blacks every 32 hours since June. I've been in this town all my life. I'm 56 years old. I am afraid of being shot and gunned down by a black. Again, if this was a white police officer shooting and killing three blacks, people would be out here, the school would be on fire, people would be coming forward saying, I saw this white police officer. But because it's black on black crime, it is socially acceptable for blacks not to talk to the police. It is appalling. And every 32 hours since June, blacks been murdering blacks. And y'all guys got to do a better job. Simple question. Why is it that the mainstream media establishment is worried about, and not just worried, I mean, spending all of their airtime focusing on the nine unarmed black men who were killed by police officers last year? By the way, some cases completely defensively because unarmed doesn't mean not dangerous. But why even say the number were six or nine, let, go all the way for all the nine who were unarmed. Why are you focusing on that and you're privileging those lives and you're saying that matters, but you're not privileging the many, 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 many more people who are killed in other instances of crime? Well, it's because one fits the narrative and one does not fit the narrative. Wasn't just happening in... Rochester and Atlanta and all over the place. 
It was happening in Washington, D.C. There was an 11-year-old kid, 11-year-old kid killed in Washington, D.C. because, very likely, of gang violence. So this kid was, they were at some kind of event, and the kid went in to get his earbuds and a stray bullet from gang violence outside kills him. His grandfather says this, uh, on the demonstrations against racism and police brutality and the killing of George Floyd, he says he agrees with some of the protesters uh, that the cities should use social workers and other civilians for some of the social services. But we need more police to put a dent in this crime. We need more police, not abolish the police, not defund the police. We need more police. People who are living in crime ridden places know that. Of course they do. You'd have to be so disconnected. You'd have to be a liar and a fraud and a con man to actually try to convince people that the solution to terrible crime in their neighborhoods is getting rid of the police. We'll get to more frauds in one second because it's not even just on the BLM world. It's in the virus world. It's in the scientific world. It's in the academy. It's all the way up at Harvard. First though, you know how much I love Raycon wireless earbuds. Everybody needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. I think we all know that. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon, their newest model. The Everyday E25 earbuds are the best ones yet. With six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable. They are perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts. They're, they, they look better than the other ones. And they, you know what I'm talking about. You know, there are others out there that people have seen before. Uh, they feel better than the other ones. They're really just a terrific product. And they are priced reasonably, which cannot be said of a lot of others. Now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. You can get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Knowles. That's buyraycon.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. I think the best example that I've seen of this discrepancy between the reality and the narrative between the real people telling you what they see and the fraudsters, the swindlers on the street. It was this CNN clip. CNN shows up. They're in California. CNN, the, the, the news anchor, the reporter, has the big mask on, even on camera, right? Because they, they used to not wear the mask on camera because it's preposterous and there's no reason to do it and you can't, can barely hear anything. But then one day, one of the reporters on MSNBC got called out for this because she was shaming other people for not wearing masks. And the guy that she was shaming pointed out that none of her crew was really wearing masks. So now they're wearing the masks on camera and they're talking about how the virus is going to kill everybody. And even though all their predictions were wrong, this time they're going to be right. And while they talk about this imaginary thing that's going to kill us all. This imaginary social phenomenon that's destroying all of our lives. A man walks up behind her and pulls down his pants and relieves himself. The warning is that by the end of July, there they he is. could He's walking have up. completely filled ICU Puts beds. his garbage no bags down. Pulls down his pants. In the ICU if the rate keeps continuing and like this. And so here in California, you can answers the call of there nature. may be some new uh, rules that are put in place. You can see very subtly the cameraman tries to change the angle to block this guy out. 
There are many actual social problems in the United States. My evidence of this, of course, is not even just that people are dying in bad cities run by Democrats, coincidentally, not even that people are doing filthy things on the street, but that all of us, even the normal people, are agitating for the pulling down of monuments, for the burning of cities, for all. Obviously, there are real social problems here, but the social problems are not the ones that the mainstream media are telling us about. The, the chief problem, the chief threat to our prosperity in this country right now is not this virus from China. I suppose that's a threat, but far more a threat than that is the fact that we're lighting our whole country on fire and killing lots of people and egging it all on. Very different things. The celebrities, Matthew McConaughey, who I actually generally like, but he's wrong about this too. He doesn't want us to talk about the killings in Chicago or Atlanta or New York, crime rates spiking, going through the roof, 40 million people being thrown out of jobs, tearing down our history, tearing down our monuments, hating our own country, becoming the laughing stock of the world. He don't want to talk about any of that. He just wants you to wear your damn mask. Happy 244th birthday, America. Whoo, we, we is going through some growing pains in this one, aren't we? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It is hotter in more ways than one. But growing pains are a good thing because how the hell else are we going to grow up? I think we got to look each other in the eye. I think we got to look ourselves in the eye. We got to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, how can I be better? How can I expect more of myself and others? How can I be more responsible? How can I have more compassion? How can I have more courage? How can I be more fair? How do I make sure I wear the damn mask? We individually make these changes. That's how we make a collective change. I love Matthew McConaughey because he's a, a weird guy. <laughs> he comes off kind of weird and usually as though he's just had a couple puffs on that old Peruvian parsley every so often. But that line that drives me crazy is, wear the damn mask. Right? Because wear the damn mask is not saying, I need to change something about myself. Maybe he's trying to phrase the sentence that way, but the, the sentiment of wear the damn mask is to you. It's to shame everybody else for not wearing the mask. The mask, which by the way, we were all told for weeks, don't wear. It's not effective. It's not good to wear a mask. You can then look at some of the science that the CDC has posted, some of the papers. There is very little evidence that the, the cloth masks do anything much less your bandana that you think is going to save you from the virus. Very little scientific evidence that this mitigates the virus at all. In, in fact, I would, I would bet if you're one of the people who thinks that the mask is the most important thing we can do to fix our country right now, you are basing that not on some scientific study, not even on historical experience and common sense. You're basing it on some like stupid meme that you saw on Twitter that shows, or, or some meme that you saw on CNN that shows that you know, air doesn't go through masks. Air go through, goes through cloth, I, I assure you. I promise you it does that. That is not the biggest issue. Wear the mask, don't wear the mask. You know, it doesn't really bother me what you do either way. But this idea that, that the mask is the most important thing is an attempt to distract you from a swindle that is going on. They've shut down our country. They've shut down much of our political process. We're in a, a presidential election year. We're not allowed to have a campaign. Joe Biden has told us he's not going to campaign. He's going to use that to try to get out of the debates. They're trying to shut down Trump rallies. They're trying to shut down your ability to vote. 
Anyone notice that? They're trying to pass this, the, this massive mail-in ballot legislation throughout many states, meaning that everybody goes and gets a, val- a ballot. Even if you do show up to the polling station, there will still be all of these mail-in ballots out there, which can be harvested in some states legally. In California now, it says what party you're in on the outside of the envelope. Wonder what's going to happen to the Republican envelopes. To say nothing of the killing and the mayhem going on all around the country. And, and they have actually managed to convince you, these con artists, these frauds, have convinced you that the most important thing is to get some suburban housewife to put a bandana around her face. Are you kidding me? And we're falling for it. We're all falling for it. And then the best one. This was my favorite one all day. Harvard University has become a correspondence college. The kids are not going to go to school. They're going to stay home and log on to their computer. But they're not going to lower the tuition, not one penny. It's still going to cost you 50 grand a year. We'll get to that in one second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Rock Auto. You know, talk about swindles. When I go into the brick and mortar car parts store, one, I don't know that much about cars, so I'm very easy to be swindled in that particular situation. But also, what do they do? You go into the car parts store. They don't have the part for your car, so then they have to order it online. They probably go to rockauto.com. They get it in. They charge you twice as much. Don't do that. Why would you do that when you can go to rockauto.com? Much easier than walking into a store. You know, when you walk into the store and you say, okay, I need this part. They'll say, is your, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? They'll say, I don't know what my Odyssey is. I don't know EX, LX. What do I need that for? The one thing I, I love about Rock Auto, well, there are many things I love. One in particular is that even I can navigate the website. Even I can find car parts. The other thing I love is it's family-owned business. They've been serving car parts customers online for 20 years, which is pretty much the entirety that online businesses have existed. Head on over. Reliable prices, no gimmicks. What you see is what you get. RockAuto.com. Go there right now. You can see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Harvard. Harvard is now a correspondence college. It's an online school. It's the University of Phoenix, except it costs five or six times as much. The thing about McConaughey and wear the mask, one reason that it works is that you feel like you got to be in the club. You feel the social pressure to be part of the same club that everybody's in. And so you put the mask on, even if you don't think it's very effective. That's the same thing with Harvard. That's the same thing with the elite universities. What they're selling you is not primarily an education. What they are selling you primarily is a credential into the elite, a very particular liberal elite, but still an elite that will increase your chances of getting a lucrative job in finance or consulting and having a basically lucrative career and moving yourself up maybe into the middle class or the upper middle class or even higher. That is the value proposition of Harvard. And so it is no surprise that when Harvard decides to go online and you don't get to go to Harvard Yard and you don't get to be around the the beautiful campus, somewhat beautiful campus, and you don't get to network with people, you just go to be online, you'll still pay almost 50 grand a year. I think the annual tuition is $49,653. Some people think that this is a ripoff. Some people don't quite understand how this elite university system works. 
And they think that the, the thing that makes it so bad is that it's expensive and it's a ripoff and you go into debt. It's actually worse than that <laughs> because the, the way that this works is not that you, you, it's a ripoff to go to one of these schools if it's a very elite brand name college and then you leave with a lot of debt. You actually don't leave with debt. The thing about these schools is their endowments is so lar- are so large that m- if you can't afford to go there, you just go for free or you go for very, very cheap. That's not the issue. Harvard makes its money from alumni. It doesn't make its money mostly from students. About half the students pay to go there and about half are on significant financial aid. The thing that's so shocking about Harvard is not that the $49,000 tuition is, is not worth it. It's that it is worth it. It's worth it for the networking. It's worth it for the credential. It's worth it if you want to go into a handful of fields that are being pushed by the system, consulting, finance, that sort of thing. The only way it's not worth it is if you want to get an education. That's the crazy part is it's, it's a university, but they're not primarily giving you an education. Of course, the evidence of this, that if, if you radically change the educational experience, but you don't reduce the price, then the thing that you're pricing out is not the education. It's this elite, this system that is propagating itself, that pretends to be a university, but that, that won't teach you a very, very many things. I mean, the, the great example just a few years ago, Yale decided to take the Shakespeare requirement out of its English major. You can graduate with a degree, summa cum laude, top honors in English from Yale, and not read Shakespeare or Chaucer. Well, What's the value of that education? The degree is worth a lot because it buys your way into the system, but the education, not quite as much. What What it means about Harvard is the diploma is just as valuable as a letter of admission, but actually the experience of being there doesn't matter as much at all. And that is a sort of swindle. That is a sort of con. But what are we focusing on? What we're focusing on are not actual structural issues in the country. What we're focusing on is the same ginned up contrived racial division that we see. Sometimes it's sexual division, sometimes it's racial division, but it's always the same kind of predictable political paths. Kaylee McEnany, be still our beating hearts. Kaylee McEnany again, at a press briefing, this was now two or three days ago. She was asked about the, the comment that President Trump made about Black Lives Matter organization being a sort of hateful symbol. The thing that struck me about this is the thing about systems. Harvard, right, all of these credentialing systems. The thing about systems is that they're systematized. They're organized. And Black Lives Matter plays its role too. Black Lives Matter is not about Black Lives Matter, obviously. It's, it's, a, it's an organization with leadership that describes itself as trained Marxists that sets up these contrived protests, protests, quote unquote, city by city. It's a show. It's a shell game. Here is Kaylee's answer. Why is the president calling Black Lives Matter a symbol of hate? 
Well, what the president um, was noting is that uh, that symbol, um, when you look at some of the things that have been chanted by Black Lives Matter, like pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, um, that's not an acceptable phrase to paint on our streets. Look, he agrees um, that all Black Lives Matter, including that of Officer David Dorn, Patrick Underwood, two officers whose lives were tragically taken amid these riots, all Black Lives do matter. He agrees with that sentiment. But what he doesn't agree with is an organization that chants pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon about our police officers, our valiant heroes who are out on the street protecting us each and every day. Yeah, I think this is a pretty good answer. I, I do wish that we didn't even have to do this thing of saying, yes, of course we agree black lives matter because yeah, listen, John Carl, I don't owe you an explanation of, of thinking that human beings ought to be able to live innocent human beings. I don't owe you that premise. I don't, you know, I wish we didn't even have to take the, the bait of, Hey, do you still beat your wife? Of course the president doesn't still beat his wife, but the issue, you know, I, I wish we didn't even have to do that. Maybe though, in our, in our mainstream system, if you're, if you're talking to these reporters, maybe you have to, I'd prefer if we didn't have to, but then John Carl pushes it and Kaylee lays the smack down. Americans of all races have protested in all 50 states uh, around that phrase, Black Lives Matter. And the president is here calling it a symbol of hate. He's talking about the organization. Um, I would note to you that the greater New York BLM president has said, if this country doesn't give us what we want, that we will burn down the system. And I could be speaking literally. I'd call that a pretty hateful statement. But, but Kelly, yes, he's not ben. talking about the organization in his tweet. He says yes, the words. Ben. He says the words. Which, Black Lives what's Matter. What's the name of the organization again? Black Lives Matter. There you go. You that, just the, answered the, my the, question. Go ahead, Ben. No, it's just the words. Come on. Uh, and right. What, what is the name of the organization? It's the words that you're talking about. It's so transparent what this guy is doing. It's so transparent what the, the rest of them are doing. It, this is the thing that bugs me. I mean, there are a lot of things that bug me about, about this whole fraud that we're being exposed to right now. But, but among them is how predictable it all is. It's just so contrived. I mean, even the name, Black Lives Matter, You've got an organization that seeks to destroy the Western prescribed nuclear family, quote unquote, an organization that seeks to abolish the police, tear down our entire history, radically transform the country, refers to each other as comrades and admits that they're trained Marxists. But if you don't go along with that radical, insane organization, then that means you hate black people. It's just so lame. It's so contrived. I don't want to give it a moment's notice, but this is what happens. You've got these organizations, they know what they're doing, they've, they've been here before, they've played this game before, and then what they will do is every so often when things start to die down, they'll pick some random incident that is completely without any context, and they'll use that as an example of some broad trend of hatred and bigotry and start the whole game over again. We saw that just yesterday at the sandwich shop, Jimmy John's, which we'll get to in one second. First though, got to thank our friends over at Blink Sale. You should not waste your time creating ugly invoices on your computer. You should not. One, because it's a waste of time. Two, because you're better than that. You don't, come on, don't do that. With Blink Sale, you can send beautiful custom branded invoices and estimates in seconds. Stay on top of your outstanding invoices. Let your customers and clients easily pay your invoices online. You will even get instant notifications when a customer opens up your invoice so that you will actually know if they are just trying not to pay you. Blink Sale takes care of it all so you can spend more time focusing on the work that actually gets you paid and makes your business a success. As an added bonus, Blink Sale is now giving away 10 to 5, uh, $10, not, not 10 to, 
$10 to 500 Daily Wire fans. Here is how you get it. Go to BlinkSale.com, start your 14-day free trial, create your first invoice of $10, and activate an online payment option, Stripe or PayPal. You send the invoice to DailyWire at BlinkSale.com, you will get paid your $10. The first 500 people to send an invoice for $10 to DailyWire at BlinkSale.com will get their invoice paid by BlinkSale. This is pretty good. Limit of one of these per person. Stop wasting your time invoicing Try Blink Sale for free right now. B-L-I-N-K-S-A-L-E.com slash Knowles. Blink Sale, spend less time billing, more time doing what you love. So predictable, so predictable these incidents. I think at this point, the, the power structures that be could just pick one up out of nowhere, completely contrive it out of nothing, and whip America up into a national frenzy. That's more or less what they did at Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's is a chain sandwich shop. It's a very good sandwich shop. I like Jimmy John's a lot. There was a video. It went viral of some bored Jimmy John's employees playing with the dough for the bread. My first job was as a Subway sandwich artist. So I've, I have played with this kind of dough for the bread before. And what they did is they wrapped the, the dough around the rest of the dough and they made a noose for it. These are all white employees, by the way. And then one of the, one of the employees puts the dough noose on his neck and he's like, you know, kind of pretending to have his tongue hanging out and uh, they take a picture of it and that's it. Might make you worry about the cleanliness of this particular Jimmy John's establishment, but whatever. It's just a funny little joke, right? Wrong. Oh, this, this got Jimmy John's to trend on Twitter. These guys' lives are probably going to be destroyed because don't you know that nooses are a universally racist symbol against black people? Now, that's not true, of course, but that is the narrative that the left is telling you. Of course, that's not true. Nooses have been used throughout all of human history. Nooses go back to Homer, to the Bible, to it. Like, as long as we have a history of humanity, there have been nooses. But even in more recent times, when you think of the noose in America, do you immediately exclusively go to anti-black lynching? No, I think the most common use of a noose in America is suicide. We have a suicide epidemic in this country. That's a real problem. In this country, black people do not get lynched. It doesn't happen. If you went back the last 30 years, maybe you would find one example of that in the whole country, one or two, probably just one though. If you went back 150 years, you'd probably find some examples or I guess, I suppose about 130 years or that, that, then you could definitely find examples. But today in this country right now, could you? No. You'd find a lot of examples though, of people killing themselves because of social and political and economic conditions, psychological conditions, national madness, but that's a real problem. So you have to be distracted away from that by frauds and put onto this imagined problem right now in this country. If you were to think of the noose in in the broader context of American history, would you necessarily think of anti-black lynchings, which did occur? Or would you think of regular old criminal justice, like real criminal justice in, for instance, the Wild West? Every Western ever practically has had nooses in them. The hangman's noose. When uh, our republic was founded, the, the punishment for a felony was hanging everywhere that used much more frequently there. Even on the specific topic of lynching, lynching was not exclusively anti-black. 
the largest mass lynching in American history was perpetrated against Italian people. I know this a little bit because I happen to be of Italian extraction. And actually it was that large lynching of 11 people at one time, some of whom were killed by hanging, that prompted the following year, the formation of Columbus Day, 400 years after the Admiral of the Ocean sailed the ocean blue. And that day obviously now is trying to be overturned by the radicals. There is no way to look at this Jimmy John's video and say, this is a clear example of anti-black racism and bigotry. It was an anti-black joke. Like maybe, but probably not. I bet it wasn't. But that's the imaginary focus over the real problems in the country. Goes all the way down to other universities. It even affects the conservative side of the political aisle, I'm sorry to say, which we'll get to in one second. First though, Thank you so much for subscribing to the Michael Knowles Show on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done that already, please do. We appreciate that. You can head over there if you subscribe, leave a five-star review. That really helps us out. Thank you for going over to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel, not the Daily Wire YouTube channel, but the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel where we have exclusive content, uh, which includes, uh, I, I just chatted with my friend Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk is the founder of Turning Point. Uh, we talked about this new Kanye run for president because it occurred to me that Charlie Kirk is one of two people I know who has hung out extensively with both Kanye and the president. <laughs> it's Ch- Charlie and Candace Owens. Those are the two, two friends of mine who have hung out with both of those guys. So you can check that out. Check out my interview with Dave Rubin and also get a reader's pass at Daily Wire. 99 cents for your first month, uh, three bucks a month after that, you get access to our mobile app, articles ad free. You get lots of uh, election insight editorials that you wouldn't get otherwise. Head on over to dailywire.com and finally get Ben's book. Ben's got a new book. Uh, obviously there's a ton of leftist media spin going on, a lot of division, a lot of fraud in this country right now. Well, Ben talks about all this stuff in his new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. Pre-order your signed copy at dailywire.com slash Ben. Get your copy today. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back. The distractions will go on and on until we stop them. And it's very hard to slow this stuff down, okay? It has a momentum of its own. This thing about the system, Harvard and the press and Hollywood and, right, we've touched on all those guys already. Hollywood gives Colin Kaepernick the movie deal and the press pushes all the the questions that the movie deal is premised on. And Harvard maintains its credentialing system to keep people in and out of the elite. And this goes through all of the institutions of our country, such that it's very hard to crack. Even down at the University of Memphis, University of Memphis football team has just announced, its coach has just announced, Ryan Silverfield, that the team will wear Black Lives Matter stickers on their helmets this season. This will be the first D1 football team to do that. And the stickers will read in part, hashtag, all in against racial injustice. Raise your hand. I know you're in the privacy of your own cars or your own homes right now. Maybe you're walking down the street, so this will look a little weird, but I want you to raise your hand if you are for racial injustice. Raise your hand. Any hand. I'm gonna close my eyes. I'm gonna imagine the whole audience. I would bet nobody raised their hand. Not one person. Not one single person. 
I bet if you polled the whole country, 330 million people, maybe you'd get like two or three crazy people who raise their hand. But I think that's about it. I don't think anybody is for racial injustice, but you got to pretend. You got to pretend that's part of the system. Maybe these student athletes could talk about how they're being treated, how they're being treated like workers, but they're not being given the protections of workers. No, no, no. That's a real problem. <laughs> that's an actual issue. So you got to distract from that. Maybe these student athletes could talk about how they're not receiving an actual education and they're just being used as pawns to make money for a university and more largely for a system. No, no, that's a real problem. We got to distract from that. Pay, pay no attention to that. Follow the card, follow the shell game. Look over here, look at the sparkly object. Are you, a, are you for racial injustice? No, but I'm, now I'm so worried. I got to put the, put the sticker on my helmet. A big gap here between the reality and the illusion. This even affects the right, by the way. Mostly affects the left, but it affects the right too. So the way these intersected yesterday, this was another trend on social media. Ayn Rand, you know Ayn Rand, she was this novelist in the 20th century. She created the, the philosophy or ideology called objectivism. And the whole thing is sort of greed is good, selfishness is good. She wrote a famous essay called The Virtue of Selfishness, which is what it sounds like. Some conservatives kind of like her, mostly libertarians kind of liked her a little bit. So Ayn Rand, she wrote Atlas Shrugged, she wrote The Fountainhead, these books that are about 7,000 pages too long. Not, I'm not a huge fan of Ayn Rand. I was when I was 17, just like all 17-year-olds are, but then I, I'm no longer a huge fan of hers. Anyway, she was trending yesterday because the Ayn Rand Institute, which is all premised on selfishness and not relying on anybody and make your own, mon make your own money, support yourself. It turns out they took a loan from the federal government, from the Small Business Association to keep their workers employed during the coronavirus lockdown. I think that's perfectly defensible. I don't think it's terribly hypocritical. But this was trending as a big dunk on conservatives. Ha ha, those conservatives, their philosophy doesn't make any sense because look at what hypocrites they are. They took money from the government, even though they hate money from the government. And what occurred to me when I saw Ayn Rand trending as the representative of the conservative movement, such as it is, is even our political opposition is contrived along the left's lines. The left is even defining what it means to oppose the left. Because I think if you polled 100 conservatives and you said, is, is Ayn Rand your greatest hero? I think most of them would say, Ayn who? What's an Ayn Rand? And I think for the people who did know, 98 or 99 out of 100 wouldn't care that much for her. Ayn Rand was written out of the conservative movement 60 years ago. In 1957, Whitaker Chambers, who's the great anti-communist author of Witness, he wrote a, a scathing review of her book in National Review. Bill Buckley, who in many ways led the conservative movement, led to Reaganism, he followed that up in National Review. He said, Ayn Rand's exclusion from the conservative community was, I am sure, in part, the result of her desiccated philosophy's conclusive incompatibility with the conservatives' emphasis on transcendence, intellectual and moral, but also there is the incongruity of tone, that hard, schematic, implacable, unyielding dogmatism that is in itself intrinsically objectionable, whether it comes from the mouth of Ehrenberg or Savonarola or Ayn Rand. This idea that Ayn Rand, she had no moral compass. She was, she was fanatically atheist. She, she couldn't understand how any smart person could believe in God. Her moral order didn't make any sense. It was all about greed is good. And it, it was, it was all about progress, right? It was all about ugly aesthetics. It was just 
this is not conservative. Whatever you think of it, it wasn't conservative. But the left has defined Ayn Rand as kind of the, the great example of what a conservative is because they can't deal with the reality of what a conservative is. What the left permits, what the system permits is for there to be, I call them court jester conservatives. They're a little foil in the court of liberalism that offers some sort of slightly different point of view, usually doesn't disagree too much with the premises of the left, and then loses gracefully. And then when they lose gracefully, it legitimizes the whole liberal system. Even much of our political opposition is a fraud. No, nowhere do you see this more clearly than the two remaining never Trumpers. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about the guys over at the Lincoln Project. The Lincoln Project, which in itself is a huge grift. It's a huge lie. The, the Lincoln Project is an anti-Trump group of Republicans, the for, former Republicans. But what's notable about them is they're not ex-politicians or office holders or great thinkers, mostly. It's just political consultants, old campaign flacks who had sinecures, who had, who had very lucrative careers that Trump destroyed because he didn't hire any of them. And when he didn't hire any of them, they got extremely frustrated that they lost their gigs. And so they, without any principles whatsoever, decided to oppose him. I th maybe there are one or two people that have any principles in that whole group, but I doubt it. I think I'm being overly generous. I think they're cynical. I think they're con men. And here's how I know they're con men. They lie. So they, they posted this clip of Donald Trump talking about a military conflict. And this went viral because it sounded as though the president thought that Operation Desert Storm, which occurred in Iraq, actually occurred in Vietnam. They carried American warriors into the dense fields and jungles of Vietnam. They delivered a swift and swip in, you know that sweeping. It was swift and it was sweeping like nobody's ever seen anything happen. A victory in Operation Desert Storm. Okay, so he stumbled on the teleprompter. He meant to say swift and sweeping, but he got caught up in that. So that sounds a little weird. It happens to everybody who uses teleprompters. At some point or another, you will get caught up on a word. I say, I admit, this is just my secret with you. It's even happened to me once or twice. So it happened to Trump. But did Trump really think that Operation Desert Storm occurred in the jungles of Vietnam? No. Groups like the Lincoln Project edited the video edited out the relevant context just 15, 20 seconds before where he says he's not just talking about Vietnam. He's talking about major American conflicts. Here it is. Just, this is about 20 seconds before. In a few moments, we will bear witness to awesome aircraft representing every major military conflict over the last 75 years. Okay. Every major military conflict over the past 75 years. It's very obvious what he's saying. But because they can't get them on the facts, they've got to edit it. They've got, and, and this is what happens. I mean, I think the, the selectively edited phenomenon is funny because the left always refers to our perfectly legitimate videos as selectively edited. Well, you could get a Planned Parenthood official on camera saying, I am haggling with you for baby parts. I want to buy a Lamborghini, which we actually have. And they'll say that was selectively edited. You say, how, how could you selectively edit that? It's nothing's the, the issue isn't the edit, the issue are the words that you're saying. They'll, they'll say that's selectively edited and then they will actually selectively edit out relevant context from our videos and they'll forget about it. That is, they'll, they'll try to get you to forget about it. That is the way this system works.
top political issue of the day. So important. I, I found this out from Jezebel. And then this too is going all around the internet. Halle Berry, a very talented actress, might play a trans man. What is a trans man? A trans man is a woman who thinks that she's a man. So Halle Berry, an actress, might pretend to be somebody who she is not, which is, I believe last time I checked, that's what actors do and actresses. Moreover, Halle Berry, an actress, will pretend to be another woman pretending to be a man. But when a woman pretends to be a man in reality, that is sacred, that is wonderful. And if you question that, you're a bigot. But when an actress pretends to be another woman on the stage, which is her job, that is evil and terrible and wrong. That is our upside down culture that we're in. I mean, they go on, they say Halle Berry is either ignoring or has not gotten the message that trans characters should be played by trans actors. But she is quite effusive about her wish to play a trans man in an upcoming project. So, so trans characters should be played by people who want to pretend to be other things, not by actresses who by definition pretend to be other things. I see Scarlett Johansson's experience has taught her nothing. And that was two years ago. Scarlett Johansson got caught in some trouble with this because a, a few years ago, she also wanted to play a part of someone who is confused about his, his or her gender. And, but listen to the threat there. Scarlett Johansson's experience has taught her nothing. It's this pressure. Look what we did to Scarlett Johansson. We'll do it to you. You got to stop it. You got to go along with the system, whatever it says. You even saw this, I think most notably though, this is a far less sexy kind of story highlighting this, but I think it's probably actually the most important one from the Supreme Court. Supreme Court yesterday, there was a case that came out, Chiafalo versus Washington. This was a case about whether or not states can punish electors who do not vote for the presidential candidates that they say they're going to vote for. You know, in our system, we don't have a popular election. We don't, we don't just all the people go out and vote and then whoever has the most votes wins. Thankfully, we don't have that. <laughs> 2016 and 2000. It's a good, good thing we don't have that. What we have is a system that our founders set up called the electoral college. And so what happens is you go out in your state and you vote and then you vote for electors and then the electors come up. You pull the, the ballot for whomever, Trump or Clinton, you know, Trump or Biden. But then really what you're electing are electors who have pledged to vote for those people. But the founders crucially set up a system whereby the electors can then go to cast their votes and vote for whomever they would like. Because we have independent electors. This was one of the compromises to, to deal with this problem of mob rule. What if there's a really, really bad man or woman, Hillary Clinton, who is up for the job and the electors want to override the will of the mob. You know, there's good democracy and there's, and then there's mob rule. We don't, we want the good stuff. We don't want the bad stuff. Clearly that was the point of this provision in the constitution. The point was that the electors should be independent. And yet in a unanimous decision yesterday, the Supreme court judges voted to allow states to punish the electors. They're called faithless electors, electors who don't vote for the people they say they're going to vote for. Even the originalists went along with this, albeit for different reasons than the liberals did. Why? Why was it unanimous? Well, I think it's a perfectly, perfectly fine thing to do to make the electors vote for the people they say they're going to vote for. It's been happening in this country since almost the very beginning. And that's what they cite. They say it's longstanding practice that they are expected to do this kind of thing. 
but it's not in, in the Constitution. We know that's not the point of the Constitution and the point of this provision. Even the originalists admit it's not really about, it's not really about that. What this shows us is that there is a written Constitution and then there is the actual Constitution that we live under, the Constitution of experience and tradition and practice. That can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. Does it, that's the reality. That's the reality of how countries are governed. Countries are actually not governed by sheets of paper that were written hundreds of years ago. They're really governed by this sort of practice. We might wish that we were governed by the sheet of paper. In many ways, I wish we were, but we're not. The sooner we shake ourselves out of that delusion, the sooner we will be able to fight back and actually get some cultural, political, economic wins, okay? The sooner we realize the con that is being perpetrated, whether it's at this very lofty, esoteric sort of level of, of the constitutional interpretation, or whether it's the actual product being peddled by Harvard, or whether it's Colin freaking Kaepernick, who still with a straight face pretends to be an oppressed, aggrieved victim as he cashes in millions and millions and millions all the way to the bank, way more than he would have made in football. The sooner we wake up to that, the con that's being perpetrated on us, the sooner that we will be able to exercise a little bit of power ourselves. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm -hmm. 